You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's sports media mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. All right, welcome back. Sports uh, media mayhem podcast. And uh, yeah, Andrew, I didn't even mention I'm wearing my flag football shirt here to celebrate the start of football season. Andrew Buckholtz is a writer at Awful Announcing. If you read the site, I'm sure you've seen his byline. Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you, as I said off the air, for giving me, I think, the best write-up I had a few years ago when I left WEEI. You gave the media calm. I, I write some love, so it's appropriate we have you on the show, I would say. Um, so, yeah, so, hey, this is a big NFL media preview podcast. want to talk, though, about, I think, the most fun stuff with you, and that is these announced teams and few jobs in sports media, I think, are more scrutinized than NFL broadcasters, which makes sense. I don't feel bad for them because as we saw this offseason, they make millions and in some cases, tens of millions of dollars to do this. So we've had a lot of shifting, this crazy carousel. So the number one teams, as we sit here on the eve of the 2022 season, we have Nansen Romo at CBS, Buck and Aikman with ESPN, of course, Tariko and Collinsworth Sunday nights. Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, are Fox's number one team. And then we have Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, Amazon Thursday Night Football. Out of all those number one teams, which is the strongest one in your view? Well, I think the strongest right now is, is Nansen Romo. And I think it, it, they have the advantage of they're entering this season with some stability, really. Obviously, right. Buck and Aikman have the long history of working together, but they're at a new network. They're, they are with a new producing team. And I think that could be that could be good for them. I think there's going to be a little bit of adaptation there. And then with just about everybody else, there's something new going on, a new pairing, one new face, etc. So I think Nance and Romo have been very good over the over the past few years. Uh, and they clicked very, very early on very mm-hmm. well. And uh, I think they've continued to build on that. And I, I think they'll they'll do well again this year. Yeah, I was going to ask what your take is on Romo as we enter year four or five of him, because he's become quite the polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. He has. Yeah. I mean, obviously the big thing everybody wants to talk about with him is the prediction of plays. Some people love it. Some people don't. I think most people know which way they feel one way or the other on if it should happen at all. But I think that as we're getting to the, uh, we're a few years in with him, I think he's doing a better job of having that not be the only thing he does. I think mm. he's working it in to the flow a little better. Uh, he's not trying to predict every play. He's doing it when it makes sense, and I, I think it's 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 a pretty good balance. He's he's struck right now. 
Yeah, the thing with Romo I noticed last year was is I fear that he may become becoming a little too sticky. You hear him and mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of noises that he makes during the telecast. Him and Jim Nance have some odd banter between the two of them. I remember I was watching a Patriots game last year and I write about the broadcasts after, so I'm especially mm-hmm. to this. And they were they had some weird segments about uh, they were doing something for cancer patients at Gillette Stadium. And Tony Romo, you might remember, said it's, it's a kind of a weird, like non sequitur type joke today. I don't know. I just sensed last year some weirdness with Romo in the booth, but obviously you didn't seem to sense that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think I think that's a fair point. I think there absolutely have been times where uh, I think you're right, especially about some of the some of the jokes can fall flat. There, yeah. are, there are. Mo- I think he maybe leans into that a little too much at times. But again, I, I, I think I think it, it, it is highly opinionated. Thing. Everybody's got their opinions on what's yeah. good or bad. I, I think you you've got a fair point there that he can rely on that too much. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he improves that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Romo too, is such a breadth of fresh air already came because A, was taking over mm-hmm. Phil Sims. And mm-hmm. B, I think the fact that he would just pays attention to the game and knew the current players, I think mm-hmm. really said almost as much about the other analysts out there than him. The fact that you had a recently retired player who knew the current game, who was sharp, who was ahead of the action. It was really a breadth of fresh air. I, I think that's very accurate. And I think what's really impressive to me is how well he did so quickly. Um, be, because since then, we've seen other people try it. Well, obviously, we saw ESPN try it with Jason Witten, and that didn't work whatsoever. No. The, the much more usual progression is for guys to come in and start low on the depth chart and maybe eventually work their way up to a number two or a number one role. Romo was thrown into the deep end and I thought he handled it very well right from the start. And I think the other thing that's interesting with him is that I think he makes Jim Nance better. Or at least I think that the Nance-Romo partnership is, for me at least, a lot more fun to listen to and a lot more energy and a lot more current and relevant than it was in the last few years of Nance and Sims. I would agree. Nance definitely is sharper than he was with Phil Sims. Um, Greg Olson is a relative broadcasting novice, and he's somebody who's risen up the ranks mm-hmm. pretty quickly at Fox. He'll be with Kevin Burkhart on the number one team this year, and that means there'll, there'll be a lot of visibility. They'll be calling Cowboys games, a lot of Tom Brady games. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with all the moving and shaking, and Brady, of course, signing with Fox as well, They've kind of slid under the radar, but they'll be front and center this year. So what do you make of that team? And what do you make in particular of Greg Olson, a guy who, you know, I'm Patriots person. I don't think I I haven't been exposed to a lot of him. So I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I think I think uh, Greg Olson has done quite well in the limited uh, experience that he's had so far. And he had the unusual thing of calling some games while he was still an active player, while he was out, out on uh, injury. I think that's going to be tremendously helpful for him. He's not really, he's not being thrown in to completely to the deep end, although it is still a huge jump to go, go right to the number one team this way. I think also, I think while this is a new role for Kevin Burkhart in the number one spot, I think Kevin Burkhart is very solid, very professional, and I think is going to be a great partner for Olsen, somebody who could be that 
solid, dependable, and work him in. And I, I think um, what, what's interesting uh, with Burkhardt to me, obviously, is from a, a different sport, but I've been really impressed with how he handles the analysts on Fox's baseball coverage and uh, how he's able to work in these very, very different voices, very opinionated people. And uh, I, I think he has a strong ability to relate to a lot of different analysts, and I think that'll help him with Olsen. Most definitely. And speaking of Brady, I think one of the more interesting broadcast royals of the year is how Fox will cover uh, their current employee. I mean, let's say that mm-hmm. Tom Tom has a little injury and they meet with the production team on the Friday or Saturday. Do they reveal that on air if it doesn't need to be revealed? What do you think of that situation? Because it is unprecedented. It is. It is certainly something that we and everyone else in the sports media space is going to be watching. Um, it, it's certainly odd for for uh, for a network to be broad and it, and not just for a network to be broadcasting games involving a current slash future employee, but for him to be that high profile right. guy, right? right? Like you're not going to do a Buccaneers game and not talk about Tom Brady. That's obviously going to happen. So I, I think the thing that'll be interesting to watch is how they do it and if there are any noticeable differences to how other networks cover cover Brady. I'm not sure I'm not sure there are are going to be. I mean, I think Fox, while their top team is new, they have a lot of veterans behind the scenes in the in the in the production side. I think they're they're going to be aware that people are are looking for really any sort of slip up here. And so I think they, they may not, may not make one, but maybe they will. And of course, was it 30, 30, 37 and a half million annually for, for Brady? I mean, that, that yeah. that's pretty nice. Um, do you think he will, do you think he'll ever actually call games for Fox? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, right? you never, you never know with Brady, right? Like it was earlier this year that we all thought he was retired and done with the NFL, and then that changed. So, I mean, I think he's a guy who his plans can change a lot. Uh, he has a lot of he has a lot of ventures beyond um, beyond sports. He's do, he's doing the autograph NFT business. He does some stuff with religion of sports. He's a, he's a guy who's got irons in a lot of fires, and so I'm. I think this this move certainly sounded good to him at the time he did it. I'm curious to see what it actually leads to, and I think the interesting thing is for Fox in particular. I think it's calling games is a big part of this. Obviously, that's why it's set up the way it is. But I think there's they're hoping to get a lot of value from other things as well. They want to really make him one of the promotional faces of the network, right. have him show up to promote other stuff, work him into their various betting stuff. Right. So I think that he won't be making as much money if he doesn't call games for sure. I imagine there are ways to renegotiate that, but I think we will see Brady with Fox in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're really they really were buying the Brady brand uh, mm-hmm. team. Of course, you have to trademark that now. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned all the crazy money that's been thrown around broadcasters, and it really started with Romo and Buck and Aikman, of course, got huge paydays from ESPN. And I was interested to read last week, uh, ESPN's executive VP, Stephanie Drulli, said in a conference call that one of the advantages that ESPN thinks they now have with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman is that 
them they can really attract better games to Monday Night Football than they could previously. She said something along the lines of, you know, that's an all-star team that deserves all-star games. And I looked at it and said, you know, maybe that does make sense that you pay these top flight announcers top, top flight money, and in return you get better games. What's your opinion on that? Do you think there's truth to that? Well, I think there, I think there is maybe something to that from the NFL side. Because the NFL is super concerned with who calls their games. We most notably, I mean, that's what sort of started all of this when NBC uh, brought in Mike Tirico and they thought he would do the Thursday games, Al Michaels would do the Sunday games. The NFL specifically interceded and said, no, we need to have the, we need to have the number one team. We need to have Michaels calling both of these games. And obviously they eventually relented a bit, Tirico did in the second season they added and so on. But the, the NFL gets, has opinions and gets involved in who calls their games much more than anyone else seems to. I mean, we had this story a couple of weeks ago about Robert Kraft on the, the broadcasting committee calling Rupert Murdoch and being like, make a pitch for Al Michaels. And I don't think you really see that in other sports. So I think the NFL is absolutely super aware of who is calling their games. They are aware that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are, at the very least, higher profile broadcasters than the guys they had. That's why they're being paid this money. And I wouldn't be surprised if that factors a little bit into the scheduling. But the scheduling is difficult, though, and we've written about this numerous times over the years where ESPN has lobbied for better games. They've claimed they've gotten better games. It hasn't necessarily been much better based on past records or whatever. I don't think anyone is is really, uh, especially on the NFL side, I don't think they're going to, they can't say, no, this game is great. This game is bad necessarily. So I think it's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a little bit of a behind the scenes thing, but I would not be surprised if that went into Monday night football or the top Monday night football games and better games. It, it certainly makes it seem like a much bigger deal having Buck and Aikman mm -hmm. there. We'll see if that translates to more rating success. But certainly if you go by the feel, I think there is a lot of truth to that. Um, I also want to cover it through Andrew. I'm looking down the list of the teams for CBS and Fox this year. And you get to the mid-tiers and you see again, I see Daryl Moose Johnston. I see James Lofton. I see Mark Schlereth. And nothing against any of them. But something that I always find interesting with the NFL and a lot of sports, but we're on the NFL here is just, you know, the lack of recently retired players in the booth who I think could really add like Akib Talib did this. And obviously we know why he's not part of it this year, but you know, just give me a fresh perspective. I know these are difficult jobs and a lot of these guys have done it for so long, but I don't know. I look and see the same retreads. I'd like to see some new blood on some of these middle tier teams what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea. I think that either that could go well or it could not go well. I think the advantage of having the the familiar faces is these are guys who you know can do the job. You know what you're getting. I, I think you're you're absolutely right that it's worth getting in some fresh faces and some new blood. I think it's interesting seeing Amazon doing a, a bit of that with their broadcast, bringing right. guys like Andrew Whitworth. And um, 
I think there's certainly room for that at the other networks as well. They obviously decided to go with a pretty uh, sticking with what they have this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of those newer faces in the next couple of years, maybe. Andrew, thanks for coming on, man. This was good. Good stuff. No, no problem. Thank you for having me.